Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor J.P. Troyo here. So glad that you're joining us today on our podcast. You're about to hear a message today from our weekend encounter. Uh, I pray that this message uh, encourages you, inspires you, and pushes you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to stay on track with what's going on at the church, we'd love for you to download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, or visit us on our website, www.oasischurchchicago.com. I'm praying for you, we're believing for you, and we trust that God's gonna continue to do great things in your life. God bless you. Now here's the message today. Well, good morning, Oasis Church Chicago. Thank you, worship team. Welcome to church. You could be anywhere else, but you're here today. And I just uh, am grateful that you're with us here on this morning. I'm going to jump right in. Last week, we kicked off a sermon series entitled The Aftermath. And um, it's, the, it's the moments, the 40 days after Jesus raised to life from the grave. Um, there's a lot of things that happened in those moments prior to Jesus going back to heaven. We believe in Jesus Christ at this church. We believe he came, he lived a life perfect, sinless. He died a sinner's death for us so that just the fact that we would believe in our heart and confess with the mouth that he is Lord, we are saved through Jesus Christ. Hello, you with me this morning. And not only did he die, but he went to hell for three days for you and for me. And he took the keys of hell from death and said, no longer is anybody, does anybody that calls upon my name going to experience hell, they're going to experience freedom. So that's who we serve. So Jesus did all these amazing things. And then I, for me, I think of Jesus like that's enough. <laughs> but Jesus, there's always more with him. There's always more with Jesus. And so for the next 40 days, he walked on this earth. He, he spoke to his disciples. He spoke to people. He equipped people. He challenged people. Anybody thankful that Jesus challenges us? Jesus just isn't just concerned about making us feel all nice and comfortable. He's concerned about getting us to where he needs us to go. And sometimes that it calls us to be challenged, to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Hello this morning. And so Jesus does some amazing things over the course of the 40 days. And I entitled it The Aftermath because it's defined as the consequence or after effects, better yet, of a significant or unpleasant event. Jesus raising to life after three days is a significant event, would you say? It's a very significant event. It's probably the most important event that's ever took it, take place. But, but I, I just love that it's also an unpleasant event because, because for many of the people that were experiencing it then, we get the story. We know what happened. They're living in it. And for them to see this all take place, it was very unpleasant. Fear kicked in. Just the, the unknown kicked in. And, and so after Jesus went and did what he did, they did not know what was going to happen next. He told them. <laughs> Jesus tells us all the time what he's going to do. We're just not listening. So, so he told them. And then these sequences of events happened. And um, last week I talked about fear. Always a fun topic to talk about in church. Fear. And I said it and I mean it. Don't let fear creep in. Don't let fear keep you. Stop locking Jesus out of your life. The disciples locked the doors and kept him out when he was coming for them. Okay? Don't let fear lie to you. Amen? I, fear, I've always heard it. It's false experiences appearing real. Fear, that's what fear is. False experiences appearing to be real. So last week we said, hey, let's... let's Let's just pray for fear to be gone. And this week, I've entitled this message, The Aftermath, There's No Way. There's no way. And if we have the scripture up on the screen, I'm going to be reading out of the book of John, chapter 20, starting in verse 24. I'm going to read the scripture from the screen, so if we can put it up. John 20, verse 24. There we go. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, 
was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, okay? So Thomas was not at the first interaction with Jesus, the last week that we talked about, right? Thomas was, was doing something, or he's off somewhere. We'll talk about that. But the disciples come, and they tell Thomas they're, they're 12. He was part of the 12. He was part of the homies, right? He had the handshake and everything down. He, he was in the club. Okay? They, they tell him. It wasn't like they were just some people just telling Thomas. Like, there was a trust. They spent life together. They did life together. You with me? Like, they did miracles together with Jesus. They were around each other all the time. And they say to him, we have seen the Lord. We've seen him. Woo! But he said to them, yo, nah. Nah. Marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side. I will not believe. Next verse. A week later, though, his disciples were in the house again, and, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. <laughs> Last week, you remember my message? They locked the doors. Guess what? These homies locked the doors again. Okay? There's always more with Jesus. There's always more grace. Amen? I'm going to talk about that. But they locked the doors again, these boys. Jesus came and stood among them. <laughs> Once again, just stood among them and said, peace be with you. I just love Jesus. I love him so much. He could have said so many things to them like, yo, you, what are you doing? You locked me out again? And he's just like, peace, peace. How many of you know with Jesus there's always peace? It's the only thing that's going to bring you peace is Jesus. That's it. He says, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. Put your fingers right here. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. What? Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and, church, and believe. Next. Thomas said to him, yo, it changed from Lord, uh, teacher to my Lord, my God. Whoa, it changed. Then Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen. So today, I want to just walk us through a topic that is commonly talked about in the church. I believe every single one of us deals with this, and that is doubt. How many of you deal with doubt? Right? I was, uh, I was watching um, the, the History Channel. <laughs> it's one of my channels that I enjoy watching. Anybody else with me on the History Channel? I, I see my father-in-law's hand is not up, but I think it would be up. He's a history teacher, so um, if, I, if I have some facts wrong here, just fact-check me afterwards. Um, but, but I was watching the History Channel. I was talking about uh, the oil and, and, and the coal that happened out in Pennsylvania back in the day. And it was an interesting story to me because there was a man that owned a, a farm in Pennsylvania. And he owned this farm, and he lived on this farm. I think it was within his family for many years, and, and, and the oil rush began to happen. Like the, the, the oil, the idea of like gaining wealth from, from receive, like having oil on your land or going to find it, like, like took in. And so, so a lot of people went looking for that, right? A lot of people went out and, and sold their places and spaces to go find it. And this man had a farm that, that, that smelled. He had a farm that smelled terribly. And, and he, he knew that there was oil out there, and, and one of his cousins was in, uh, doing what, what everybody else was doing and finding oil. And he said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell my farm, I'm going to sell this land, I'm going to sell everything that I've been given, and I'm going to go look for oil. Okay? So he sells this farm. And he goes and joins his cousin. 
And the guy that, that purchased the farm one day begins to walk out among the field. And he notices a little bit off in the distance, the story goes, that, that there was a, a stream, a, a river per se, just for, for, for just the, the moment here, that, that, that had a, a piece of wood or pieces of wood that blocked it from continuing on. And the guy walks closer and closer, and the stench begins to hit him, and this scum is in the water, and he's like, man, this really smells. Now I know why this guy sold this farm. My, my cattle can't drink out of this water. My, my, my livestock's going to be killed. And, and would you know it, though, <laughs> that the thing that was flowing was not just water. He was living on an oil field. Oh, and not just a little one that people believe over time have gained over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of million <laughs> dollars from that plot of land. Homie sold his land, and I don't know what happened to that dude, but the dude that bought it, whoo! Millions. And I just imagine the guy probably getting news of that that sold it. And he's like, there's no way. No, no way. Anybody ever been in that? Like, it happens to somebody else. You've tried it. No, there's no way. I've tried. I guarantee it that that man probably sat in his seat and was like, there is no way. There's no way that that's happening. And in all reality, it was happening. That man doubted what he had. That man doubted the gold in which was standing in his hands. That man doubted, and in his doubt, he made a really rash decision to go follow everybody else instead of maybe staying put and being where he should be and doing what he's called to do and maybe just maybe staying where you're called to be and removing doubt from your life will bring the abundance. Hello, I'm going to preach this morning, whether you're coming with me or not. I'm gonna go. like, like, like doubt is so real, and doubt is detrimental. Doubt is detrimental. I want to tell us today, don't let the doubt destroy the gold that is awaiting for you in this life. This life with Jesus Christ. Don't let doubt strip you from the gold that's found in Jesus Christ. That was a really good place to stay. What if we stopped allowing doubt to place a block in the path of faith that God wants to move in a mighty way in our lives? You know, doubt blocks us. Doubt keeps us. When we doubt something, we don't trust something. Hello? When you doubt God, guess what you're doing? You stop trusting him. And that's a no-no. <laughs> that's a major no-no. Like, like when, you, when, you, when I was little, I, I just, I, I trusted my father to lead me. Not to lead me into traffic, even though I probably deserved it sometimes. <laughs> Is that on the, that's, I'm just talking about me. Like, But he didn't. He would lead me away from traffic. He would lead me away from harm. He would lead me away from danger. If I doubted my dad as a little kid, I would run into traffic. I would run into the streets because I trusted me over my father. Doubt causes hurt. Doubt causes pain. Are you with me this morning? Like this is what doubt does for every single one of us in this life. I wonder how many of you in this room today have missed the God moments in your lives because you had disbelief. You let doubt creep in, and God was waiting to show you the gold that was in your field. Okay. <laughs> we want to try to fix it. We want to try to get it right. We want to try to do our own things. But at the end of the day, doubt is detrimental. 
So what's happening in this story? Thomas is, 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 is not with the disciples, and Thomas gets labeled. <laughs> Y'all love labels? No. Well, if they're good ones, yeah. Homie, for the rest of his life, what is he, what is he called? Anybody? Doubting Thomas. What a nickname. Like, what's up, St. Pete? <laughs> Bad joke. Anyways. And they're like, what's up, Doubting Thomas? He's like, guys, come on, man. That was like 20 years ago. Like, like come on. Because, like, labels stick sometimes. I wonder how many of you that, that have the label doubters. Doubters. You doubt Jesus is going to come through for you. You doubt that he's going to do what he promised you would do. he would do. You doubt that he's going to actually provide. You doubt that he's actually going to heal. You doubt that he's actually going to see you through the storm. You doubt that he's actually going to heal your marriage. You doubt that he's actually going to bring you the spouse that you deserve, not the one that you found in the club, because the one that's in the club is never going to heal you, is never going to restore you, but it felt good in the moment. So if it felt good in the moment, that's the best thing that God could do for you. But you doubt that he actually has someone super better than that one in the club, and it looks a lot better because when the lights come on, they look really scary. But when the lights are on for the good one, they look really good. This is what happens when you begin to doubt. You no longer say, I'm praying for a man that loves the Lord. And you go to, well, I'm just praying that he has a Bible. Like you've just lowered the stand. Well, well, he doesn't have to have a Bible. I'm just praying that like he has the Bible app on his phone. Like, like that's what happens. No, this is real. Like I see it all the time. This is what doubt does. Doubt takes you from having standards to lowering your standards. Men the same way. I'm just waiting for a godly woman. Well, if she just comes to church once in a while, that's good enough for me. No. You doubted God would bring you a supernatural gift. Hello, I love you. I love you all. But this is infecting the church. Disbelief, doubt. And so today, I want to just talk about this a little bit. I want to say this. When we allow doubt to settle in our spirits, our lives are delayed with seeing the blessing of deliverance. You want me to say that again? When we allow doubt, I'm sweating up here. When we allow doubt to settle in our spirits, settle in our spirits, Our lives are delayed with seeing the blessing of our deliverance. Oh. So I want to just walk us through this story. Because I I pray today that we walk out of these doors and doubt is dismissed. Is it going to come? Sure. But there's 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 a cure. Can I say that? There's a cure. So this story is one of my favorite stories. But I, I see Thomas and, you know, he's labeled as doubting. The reason why he got labeled doubting is because the first thing that I see is absence creates doubt. Have you ever been absent of something? Like you miss something, and then someone tells you a story, and you're like, there's no way that happened. Similar to the guy that sold his field. Like, like when, if you're not part of the moment, and someone tells you what happened, you, you doubt. And just me? Thank you, Eric. Six of us. Maybe four today. Like, like if you're not there, you doubt it. Like, like my wife um, gave birth. <laughs> it's great. And... Um, we waited a couple days post our delivery date, due date. And many of you know you kept asking, is, is it ready? And I was like, no. Is it ready? No. And she was, she was a handful of days late. And so the night that, 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 that it began, <laughs> the, the whole process of childbirthing, <laughs> I still get a little weak in the knees. <laughs> um, <laughs> the night that it began, I, I, I doubted that it was going to actually happen. <laughs> Because I've been waiting for so long. So, so my wife and I don't know which cousin was there. One of them were there with me. And, 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 and 
Rach stood up from the couch on Sunday evening, and she's like, ooh. And I was like, pray for her. Pray for her. I was like, what's, no. And she's like, ooh, that, that doesn't feel good. And I was like, hey, okay, cool. Um, babe, I'm going to go get Cold Stone. <laughs> she was like, okay. So me and my cousin got in the car, and we got Cold Stone. I come back. She's laying on the couch. <laughs> and what is she having? Contractions. <laughs> I missed the first contraction. She still loves me. She calls me babe. It's so good. I was like, but I bought you Cold Stone. She's like, get that out of my face right now. I, I doubt it. When I walked in, she's like, I'm having contractions. I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not. And then the Lord hit me. <laughs> I missed the moment. I missed the moment of that first intimate moment. That's intimate. Like you see your, your, your spouse go through. It's, it's like nothing else. But I missed it because I was absent. Thomas is the same way. He missed the first encounter with Jesus post-resurrection because he was absent. Do we not know why Thomas was absent? No, Scripture doesn't say it. It doesn't list it. But people believe, right? We could say there was fear, right? Oh, snap. Judas sold Jesus. He probably sold me. Thomas is jetting, right? He probably spent some days under uh, uh, and hiding somewhere. Maybe, maybe it was the fact that, that he went back to doing what he knew before. Well, this didn't work out for me. Hello, this is what doubt does to you. Well, Jesus hasn't done enough for me, so I'll just go back to the days that I wasn't serving Jesus. And look what happens, right? right? He began to maybe think crazy thoughts. Just, just regardless, what did Thomas do? He doubted. He doubted. And in his doubt, he became absent. He missed the moment. He missed the moment when we are absent from the things of God, we become people that miss out on what is happening in front of us. Fear of what could happen keeps you from walking into the faith of what is promised to happen. Whew. I'm going to read some of this because you all need it. We, we all. <laughs> Fear of what could happen keeps you from walking into the faith of what's promised to happen. Doubt tells you this is going to happen. Fear tells you this is going to happen. But instead of doing that, you can start walking in some faith. That of, of the promises of what's going to happen. The disciples tell him, we've seen him. Oh, we've seen him. I imagine the excitement, the joy, just the, the overwhelming sense of, like, we've seen him. And Thomas is like, yeah, cool, man. Nah, no way. No way, because what happened? Doubt settled in his spirit. I would love a reaction from Thomas, like, what? You saw him? I missed it. Oh, man, I missed it. Like, he's here. He's really here. No doubt settled in his spirit. He was absent from the moment, and he said, there's no way. Mm -mm. There's no way. Guys, guys, Thomas became preoccupied from everything, what was happening in life instead of being occupied with Jesus. Guys, this is why, I want to say it this way. This is why I'm, I'm not a guy that's always, like, checking church attendance. I'm not. Some of you are like, well, you've texted me a couple Sundays. Yeah, some of you I have texted, <laughs> and I will continue to text. But the rest of y'all, I mean, like, I'm not one to be like, yo, where you at? I know some pastors go, go do that. They do door-to-door -door services. I don't have the time for you to do that. I love you. I love you. I love you. And, and if it was an emergency, let me, let me say that better. Uh, I would come. <laughs> but I don't have time to come knock on your doors and be like, where were you? Because, because there's many other people in this room, Right? And, and, and what's awesome is, is I don't have time to, to check your attendance. The reason why I'm saying when you're absent from the church, when you're absent from Wednesday night prayer, when you're absent from O group, the thing that you, you're missing, oh, man, this is, <laughs> you're missing your soul being attended to. 
oh, he just wants me to be there. I knew it. This is what's up now. He's going to bring this message all around to me that haven't been to church in three weeks. No, the reality is it's up to you. And if you come, you come. If you don't, you don't. But guess what? I'm not worried about your attendance. I'm worried about your soul being attended to. And so that's why when you're absent, you create doubt. You begin to doubt what Jesus has done in your life. You begin to doubt the cross. You begin to doubt the empty tomb. You stop looking to Jesus, and you start looking to all the other things around you. Listen, I know schedules. I know things come up. I know work happens. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about when you're like, I'd rather sit in my bed with Pastor Sheets and Mr. Pillow because I doubt that Jesus has anything for me today. Pastor's just going to yell at me. The worship team's going to tell me to lift my hands. And I don't want to do that because Jesus isn't coming through for me the way that he promised he would come through for me. Doubt. Doubt. Some of you are like, can we, can we wrap this up? i got to get out of here. This is too much. Guys, there's moments in church. I'm on the second point. There's moments in church, though, that, that you, can only, you can only catch what's happening. You can't hear about it on the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm building our culture here. You can't catch it on the podcast. You can only be imparted if you're in this room, at this altar sometimes, in your seats with the person next to you when they lay hands on you. It can only be caught in the moment. Stop being absent because the life out there is telling you to be. Start making it a priority, and that will decrease doubt. You with me this morning? Okay. So because of his doubt, it invited then disbelief into his life. The second point is disbelief delays us from seeing deliverance. Disbelief delays us from seeing deliverance. In the scripture, it says one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, when Jesus came, they told him, we have seen him. But he replied with a crazy response. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into his sides and place my hands into the wound in his side. Doubt. That's a big, like, like doubt. Like, yo, I ain't believing this until I put my fingers through his hand, until I touch his side. If that doesn't happen, this dude's whack. There's no way this guy's done what he said he's going to do. There's a major doubt. And what happens is, is that the doubt settled in the spirits. He missed the first encounter of seeing his deliverer. You with me? Doubt doesn't destroy you. Catch that? Catch that? Please. You with me, church? I didn't say doubt destroys you, doubt, 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 you'll never be, no, doubt delays you. Doubt delays you from the deliverance of Jesus Christ in your life. Hello? Oh, this is so good. I'm preaching to myself. He had to wait eight more days. Eight more days. You know what the number eight means in scriptures? Some of you are like, no, I have no idea. Let me tell you. It means new birth. He had to wait eight more days to receive new birth. This is good preaching this morning. He had to wait eight more days to receive new birth. How long? Okay, 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 okay. Okay, how long? How many days? How many days is JP, let me say it this way. Is JP allowing disbelief to keep me from the miracle that God would have for me? How many days have I allowed the Lord to not just be invited in and doubted, and I've missed the miracles that he wants to unfold in my life? Is he sovereign? Yes. Is he good? Yes. But does he put us through testing and trials to see where we really stand with him? Yes. Yo. How many days are you going to allow for your deliverance to come because you've let doubt settle in your spirit? Hello? Like, I don't want you to miss the deliverer. Your doubt will delay the miracle that God wants to do for you. Not for you to just have a miracle, no. But to gain the heart of the Father for your life. 
Okay, he doesn't want to just bring a miracle for you to be like, I got a miracle. Woo! He wants to bring miracles and signs and wonders to your heart so you see the heart of the Father. Because when you know the heart of the Father, you trust the Father's heart more. You with me this morning? Man, the third thing that I see, is this helping y'all? The third thing I see, and let me say this. Why is the door locked? Just real quick. Why, why is the door locked? I believe something. Jesus brings revelation to you. Okay, so he, he, he revealed himself to his disciples. But how many of you know, when you get a revelation of something, oftentimes it has to really take a settling time to settle in your spirit. Right? So I believe that the disciples knew. They, 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 they locked the doors the first time Jesus came in, revealed himself to them. Now they're locked up again because they still hadn't allowed that, that promise, that truth to really settle. Okay? So there's no like, oh, these fools, these crazy guys. No, it just, it's going to take time. Hello? This is why it's, is this making sense? This is the journey of faith. Okay. The third thing I see, there's one more point after this. Our deliverer doesn't back away from our disbelief, though. And that is a really good place to say, our deliverer, Jesus Christ, does not back away from our disbelief. He's not afraid of you. And he's not afraid of your disbelief. What does he say to, Peter, uh, to Thomas? Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. Put your fingers right here. Hey, touch my side. What's he saying to him? Come here. <laughs> Come here. He doesn't walk into the room because this is how we think Jesus operates sometimes. We've done too many things wrong. We've done too many sins. We've doubted too much that when we walk into a church service or we walk into the quiet time with Jesus, we think Jesus is standing way over there and saying, yeah, I'm never going to come to you. What does Jesus do? Do you guys get this? This is the heart of God. He walks through a wall again. And he says, yo, Thomas, come here. I'm going to do what you asked of me. You really need this much faith? You really need this much to deliver you from this doubt? Come here. Just touch it. Just touch my hand. Just touch my side. If that's what you need, I'm going to give it to you because I, Jesus, I'm not Jesus, but if I'm talking like, Jesus, I, Jesus, am not afraid of your doubt. I'm not going to just run. Oh, they don't believe in me? Oh, I'm going to run over here and hide. Jesus is not afraid of you doubting him. He wants to fill you with supernatural faith. There's a story in Mark. Woo! There's a story in Mark where a guy has a son and the son is possessed. And the, the dad comes to Jesus because any father would, right? If you had a sick kid, you're going to run to the person you're seeing healing. Are you with me this morning? And he says to him, hey, Jesus, hey, if you can heal my son, can you heal my son? And Jesus goes, if? If? Hey, hey, dad, anything you ask from me, nothing is too big for me. Nothing is too small. Nothing is impossible with me. And what does the Father say? Oh, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And what does Jesus do? Well, no, you, you said that second half of that statement. <laughs> you were good when you said, I believe, but, but, but you said, now I don't believe, so help me with my unbelief. Like, you with me? Jesus didn't say, well, that second statement now dismisses me. I'm, you know what? I'm not going to heal your son. No, he says, I'm going to heal your son. I'm going to go all the way for you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to deliver your son. I'm going to deliver your household. I am not going to allow your doubt to keep me from moving in your life. Hello? Hello? Our deliverer doesn't back away from it. He's not scared of it. He's going to keep coming after you. He's going to keep knocking your walls down. He's going to keep pushing closer to you because he is madly in love with you. Hello? So, in the midst of all this, and Jesus telling Thomas, hey, yo, bro, I'm here. 
Thomas encounters Jesus for the first time, I believe, real. He says, my Lord, my God. What's he saying? Hey, forgive me. I missed it. I missed it. I missed it so much. Forgive me. Forgive me. And when that happens, something profoundly impactful happens in your life. And that is the final thing. Blessings come from blind faith. Blessings don't come from praises going up. Blessings come from blind faith. Wow, this is a really, really quiet church today. Blessings. The kingdom of God wants to bless your life. Well, there he is, just a TV evangelist, just telling me how blessed I am. It's scripture. He wants the abundant life for you. Is it the easy life? No. Are there going to be trials and chaotic situations? Oh, absolutely. Welcome to the party. It's awesome. Like, like serving Jesus isn't safe. Serving Jesus has risks. You with me? Like serving Jesus isn't always comfortable, but serving Jesus is a blessing. And it's going to bless your life when you start to walk with blind faith. Okay, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. See, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by? What do we walk by? Faith. In order to walk by faith, you have to unconditionally put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Every single day you get in your car or you get on a train and you have no doubt that that car is going to start. You have no doubt that that train is going to get you to where you need to go. Hello? I have no doubt that if I step off this stage and I step back... As hard as I can, this stage is going to hold me. Praise God. Like, I have no doubt that the team that are incredible put these things in properly for me so that I don't fall through the floor. Like, I don't doubt it. I have no doubt that I'm going to leave here, right, and I'm going to get home and I'm going to kiss my son. I don't doubt that. But so many of us doubt Jesus. We doubt that he's going to see us through. We doubt that he's going to come through. We doubt that he's going to fulfill his word. We doubt so often because we want to live by sight and not by faith. And it says that you are blessed when you, what? Live by faith and not by sight. Doubt disappears the moment we depend on him. Here's the lesson. When you want insurance, look to the wounds of Jesus. When you're doubting, don't go to the self-help book. Don't go to the psychologist. Look to the wounds of Jesus Christ. It will set a fire deep inside of your heart. You will remember what he's done for you, that he hasn't forsaken you, that he hasn't left you, that he's for you and never against you, that he that began a good work in you is going to carry it to completion. Doubt keeps you, but faith leads you. I'm going to say this. Nate, can you come grab this? Jason, come here. It's so hard though, right? Can you close your eyes? Do you trust me? <laughs> it's always scary. Let me take your hand. Other hand. See, see, see. What's awesome about Jesus is you can grip his hand. And what happens with Jesus is he says, yo, hey, Jason, just keep your eyes closed. Hey, JP, just keep your eyes closed. All I'm asking you to do is take my hand. All I'm asking you is to grab my hand. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Woo! All I'm asking you to do is take my hand. And I'm not telling you just to stand here. I'm not going to stand with you here because this is really awkward. <laughs> this is awkward, Jason. But we're, we're grown men, and I, I love you. Like, this is awkward if we just stood here. Jesus isn't going to say, I'm going to hold your hand right here. What he's going to say is, hey, do you trust me? Are you doubting? And if we just say, I trust you, Jesus, what he's going to do, he's going to start walking us. And he's like, hey, 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 nope, nope, over this way. Come on, come on, come on. 
Come on, just follow me. Just keep following me. Just keep walking with me. Don't care where I go. Don't, uh, just, just, just trust me to lead you. Trust me not to not, not take you to places that are going to hurt you, to harm you. Hey, just trust me, Father. Just trust in the Father that I'm going to lead you, and I'm going to guide you, and I'm going to direct you, and I'm going to take you to spaces and places you can't imagine. Hey, would you just trust me, Father? Would you just trust in the Father that he is not going to forsake you? He's not going to abandon you. Would you just lead with blind faith? Would you know that he's going to bring you to spaces and places you can't imagine. He's going to keep you close. He's going to watch over you. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. Doubt will tell you otherwise. But the faith in Jesus Christ will lead you, will guide you, will direct you. Come on, church. We got to worship him this morning. He's worthy of every praise and every adoration.